0: I'm Anna Webb, this is A Dog's Life. Hey Mr Binks. you know that there's been so much going on in Parliament this week. Well, we're jumping on Zoom now to get the latest from Dave Wardell, who's not only been behind Finn's Law, but also Finn's Law Part 2. And that's what we're going to be talking to him about, where the animal welfare, in bracket sentencing, Bill, is at right now. Hello, Dave.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: Really good. Welcome back to A
1: Dog's Life. Thank you for having us.
0: Well, I'm thrilled because we've got some great news, I think, to share. In case somebody maybe was living on Mars, they may not (laughs) have heard what happened last Friday in Parliament. So please enlarge.
1: Wow. So, um... We've had the sentencing bill, which we call Finn's Law Part Two, and I'll explain why in a sec, um, pass all its stages in the House of Commons and now it's gone up to the House of Lords where we hope for a swift passage so that it can become law. So do you want me to explain what it is briefly?
0: Yeah, definitely, and this parliamentary process as well.
1: Right, OK, there's a lot to explain. So uh, we call it Finn's Law Part Two because four and a half years ago, after Finn was attacked... We were promised by the then policing minister and other ministers uh, that um, there would be a new uh, law for service animals in this country because they weren't protected under law. And that that would carry a five year sentence. But the government had to uh, push up the sentencing for the whole Animal Welfare Act. We got Finn's Law relatively quickly, but we were still left pushing for the increased sentencing and that's what the sentencing bill is. So once we've achieved that, there'll be a new maximum sentence available under the Animal Welfare Act um, from the current maximum, which is six months, which is one of the lowest maximums anywhere in the world, um, to a new maximum of five years. So it's very important. Well, probably one of the most important pieces of animal welfare legislation in a decade.
0: Oh, gosh. I mean, totally. I mean, I wish my dad was alive, actually, to experience this moment because, you know, he worked for the RSPCA when I was really young and that's when I learnt about so much animal cruelty and really, I think, you know, led me to doing this podcast amongst many other things, so um, to champion dogs in particular. So it is landmark and, you know, it's awful when you said there that, you know, six months, we're supposed Mm. to be the nation of animal lovers. I feel um, it, yeah. Yeah. So, how great is this moment in history?
1: Well, it'd be incredible, and, and y- y- you know, I've always had an eye on animal welfare throughout my life but i've only had a voice recently since finn's attack and and we've used that voice for for as much good as we could and it just didn't make sense like you say an animal loving nation and we have one of the lowest maximum sentences available anywhere in the world and even there's you know there's countries in the developing world that have higher sentences than us um so yeah i mean long time overdue we've been pushing for four and a half years and i know other people have been pushing Um, for for much longer. and No doubt your your dad, when he was alive, was pushing for for more. So it will be a huge relief. And to get it in Finn's lifetime, because as you know, some laws take forever. Lucy's law, you know, 10 years in the making. So to get it in Finn's lifetime will be, um, you know, a very special moment. Well,
0: let's hope so. I mean, what happens now? So it's past everything in the House of Commons. And then what is the bit? in the House of Lords about?
1: So it's exactly the same, it's a mirror image. So there's five stages in each uh, house. In the House of Commons, you have a first reading, second reading, committee stage, report stage, and then third reading. So the, the readings are all votes. And you only need one person. So you, there's 650 MPs. They're, they're never always in the House together. But say, for example, they were. And 649 all said aye. You would only need one to say no. And the bill has to start all over again. It's, it's a bonkers, <laughs> a bonkers Oh my gosh!
0: So that might happen in the House of Lords.
1: It could do. It's a hugely supported bill, like Finns' law was. It's, it's got massive support from all sides of the house, which is key whenever you're you're working, as we found out on on any new piece of legislation. And it's got government backing, which is also vital. Um, so, so so the stages are mirrored in the House of Lords: first, second, uh, committee, third. I missed one i report stage and then third and then once it's reached its third uh, reading in the house of lords it then goes to the queen for royal assent, which means you've done it
0: and that should happen I mean what it, this year roughly
1: well Anna, see, there's another story so being in the house of lords is a brilliant place to be but you, the job's not done uh, it's not done until the queen's put her signature to it and um the our biggest problem is time so we We basically, we campaigned hard for this bill. It was resurrected by um, a a Tory MP. The government wanted it, but it had to go to a Tory MP because of time um, and Brexit and COVID and all that sort of stuff. But we ran out of time because they effectively closed parliament for debating because they were worried about um, health concerns for COVID. So we were pushing and pushing and pushing just to have this bill to have its third reading. And when it happened, if you blinked, you missed it because it was 20 seconds. So we were basically begging the government for 20 seconds of time. So now it's gone to the Lords. Time is still against us because the the government planned to close Parliament early in May. So that's not much time for it to go through all its stages. So we're still encouraging people to contact their Lords and Baronesses to to help it get through uh, without any delay.
0: Gosh, right, okay, why are they closing it in may? i mean are they going on holiday or something or is it because of covid <laughs> i don 't i 'm not very up with the whole nitty gritty in parliament <laughs>
1: yeah they i mean they have parliamentary sessions and and that 's when they 've decided that this parliamentary session will end. Um, it will then be reopened uh, later on in may with a huge queen's speech about what her majesty 's government plan to achieve for the next parliamentary session and there'll be lots of things about Brexit and I'd imagine there'll be lots of things around animal welfare as well because Brexit allows us to to, to kind of make our own mark uh, like we used to uh, before we were part of Europe so yeah it's just one of those things I'm afraid one of those par- parliamentary journeys
0: Right, yeah, but I would have thought the last part, royal ascent, that's a given. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the wonderful thing about you know the royal family is you know the, their love of dogs and Absolutely. and horses. You know that makes you feel quite bonded, really, to the queen. I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we like to think that um, she she happily signed off on Finn's Law, and I'm sure she will on Finn's Law Part Two. We had actually had a school do a project on Finn's Law, and they sent her a letter, and and although the the, the reply was the queen can't get involved in um in in um politics she was keen to see how the bill progressed so we took that as a nod
0: (laughs) oh I think so I definitely because you know you really do know that she is really sad you know when her last corgi passed yeah, I think it was called Willow. She was called Willow. The grief was quite clear in yeah. some of the quotes in the papers, and I really felt for the Queen, to be honest. And and you know the fact that she doesn't want to take on any more dogs, you know, because of her age. I yeah. also feel that such a caring sentiment and shows how much she she respects animals. I think really, you know. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I, I'm sure not having a dog of her own must be must be very strange because she's had dogs. Throughout her life, and you know, we we lost uh, one of our pet dogs last week. And uh, although we've got six other dogs, it's left a huge hole in our life. And, and I couldn't imagine, you know, not having a dog. So I really feel for her.
0: I know, and I'm so sorry. Con, such condolences, Dave, about your Thank dog you. Rory. He did look such a character
1: as a was.
0: Um, yeah, as African Mastiff, right?
1: That's it. Yep, yeah, yeah, South African Mastiff, uh, a ball So he was basically a seventy kilo lap dog. <laughs> uh, he loved nothing more than cuddling up with you on the sofa and you know what, what one of the memories I will always have of him is my um, my my daughters you know probably weighed sort of 15 20 kilos at the time training a, a massive 70 kilo mastiff uh, and being able to to achieve what they wanted to achieve just by using a small treat and lots of positive reinforcement and that for me will, will live with me forever
0: I know, and they, the thing is with dogs, you know, they do define chapters, and I think that's yeah. what makes it even sadder, really, because you know somehow you have to turn the page and begin yeah. a new chapter, and it feels can feel quite a lonely place, I think, uh, of the unknown
1: yeah it can do. yeah. I mean, the, it's been shown, hasn't it that the the loss of a of a pet sometimes hurts more than the loss of of a human and and actually our other dogs have felt the, um, his loss as well, and they've been grieving this this last week. Um, but we've got a new puppy to keep us busy. The puppy came along before um before Rory went, so they he did get to meet the pup. but um yeah, so we've got a new challenge there to go
0: on, tell us about the new arrival
1: <laughs> her name is wanda she's a she's 11, 11 weeks old now 11 week old border collie um and she's from working stock so we've got our work cut out but we hope to get her into all sorts so we hope to get her, her into tracking into agility and of course into scent work which i know is one of a one of your passions as well
0: well, you've helped me make it a passion. You know, I mean, I'm fascinated. I love the dog sense of smell. You know, I love medical detection dogs. I love yeah. all the work they've done to really, Incredible. really highlight how a dog's mm. olfaction can help us humans by smelling diseases and mm. helping us understand disease better. You know, which is extraordinary, extraordinary. But yeah, but on a on a more fun level with my own dog Prudence, oh, I've been. I'm proud. I'm so proud. <laughs> (laughs) that you have helped me realise a dream really through lockdown which is to train Prue to fairly reliably you know isn't it (laughs) pretty okay reliably um, (laughs) to discriminate the scent of the great British truffle.
1: (laughs) Yeah I mean she's absolutely incredible and like you say it's prudence has all the skills my job is just to help you to recognize that it's there and and, and prudence has had a, a, an incredible journey and she loves doing it obviously it's it's fairly seasonable to to, to look for actual whole truffles so we're, we're going back to doing a little bit of um training with truffle oil but to see her develop is lovely and, it, and of course it helped her through her recovery after uh, her operation as well giving her a job to do and helping to keep her fitness up by doing something you know um, relatively low uh, low impact it's such a such a really important thing for a dog to get but they're using their nose all the time so why not use it uh, when you want them to to use it and do do something that's together you know some teamwork together
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more, you know. I mean, actually I've I've still got a bit of that truffle day. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I froze it. So I cut yep. it into bits and it's in my freezer. Yep. So I'm gonna get some of um that out. But then I had some of the other truffle just in Tupperwares. Gosh, all this detail people are probably going on. Oh, <laughs> so interesting, Anna, <laughs> talking about your fridge. Um, but anyway, and it anyway, I, I, yeah, so I cut I cut off some of the, the, the bad bits of it and then put some out in the garden just the other day. I mean, it was really blustery and I thought this is going to be a challenge because the wind was Mm. really really you know um, causing the billowing and everything and she got out she knew it was there and she was totally confused so she was darting around the garden like a ping pong ball, but mm. she found them. She found the, the scent tins and it was but she knew the scent was there. But in yeah. the wind, I must admit, I, I think I was setting her up to fail that day, but I just wanted to do it.
1: Yeah. I mean again their nose it just shows how, how incredible their noses are. I've been working with some specialist dogs today at work and 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 to see what they're capable of and and the things that they can pick up on and identify would just blow you away. I'll tell you about it next time we meet. It's just incredible.
0: Yeah, I know, and I, you know, and all of this, and I, I, you know, I get it now so much more. I mean, I can see. You said to me, oh, Anna, sense discrimination work will keep you awake at night. And I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was driving home, and I was thinking, gosh, yes. I was thinking about everything you know we'd learnt in that session, and of course. <laughs> True, you know, you touch something, and then your smell is on the tin. So you've got to wear the rubber gloves, and you've got to be very careful of anything of contaminating the scent to give the dog a clue in the training. You know, and it it, it's near on impossible, isn't
1: it? It is. It is because their because their noses are so incredibly sensitive. You know, there's no piece of equipment with all the advancements in technology. There's no single piece of equipment that can do what their noses do. So you can try your hardest and put layers on stuff and try and disguise things and try not to contaminate stuff but It still happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we need a recap session. But your training sessions, Dave, are great. I particularly love them because you really are focusing on dogs' natural skills. And something in in my training that I I actually did yesterday with a lovely Tibetan terrier puppy, I've trained him to understand the command to go sniffing around Mm -hmm. some trees just to, you know, enrich the walking to heel experience, which lots of puppies hate because it's very boring walking in a straight line really dull and there's so much to explore so give the dog a break and go sniffing around a tree stump which they love and then refocus you know but I love the way it's tracking it's scent work I find that really exciting because it, it highlights what dogs are and what dogs need and for me sometimes I think it's gone a bit far the other way what do you think
1: Well, I think the difficulty is with us humans is we like to think that we're in control of everything (laughs) and that we're in charge of everything. And, um, and that's where that, you know, that, that sort of over the top heel work has come from. And and some of it does look great um, in competitions and stuff, but there has to be a release for a dog. And and as you've just mentioned, Anna, it's incredibly powerful for a dog to just be allowed to go and read some P mails. Um, But if you can use that as a reward, I mean, how powerful is that? If you can say, right, I want some focus and engagement from you and the reward will be, go and be a dog. And you just see them completely tune into it
0: yeah exactly well that's really why I think why Prue has got the capabilities she has got because that's you know what I did from the get-go with Prue and finding tennis balls in the garden you know we were doing that yep. when she was really really young so we were well placed I think to uh, pursue my dream of training her yeah. to be a truffle hunter but you've got to come with us for a real
1: real hunt <laughs> Dave. yeah definitely yeah I look please to- you we- promise that one <laughs> yeah definitely yeah well we should put a- Video up one day and show people just how incredible she is
0: yeah well there is one actually but but we di- but we digress about Prue but uh, <laughs> yeah she's she she adores it and it's um highly recommended as great therapy I I say Dave I say Definitely. so but also I mean in in this last year through all the lockdown and everything you've also been totally responsible mostly responsible for launching <laughs> a new charity
1: Yeah, new national charity, uh, the first of its kind nationally for retired police dogs. So currently we have just over 200 retired police dogs on our books. And what we offer them um, and their owners is uh, that reassurance. That if something goes wrong um, in retirement, if they need some medical help, if they need emergency treatment for anything, then we're there to um, to pick up the bill. Uh, At the moment, our aims are to try and cover the whole bill, um, but it depends on fundraising as to whether we can continue covering the whole bill or not. Um, But uh, yeah, called the Thin Blue Poor Foundation. Um, We're looking, hopefully, in the future to take on prison service dogs when they retire we already cover military police dogs um, and uh, yeah it, it, when, when someone takes on these dogs they're near on impossible to ensure especially if they're one of the um, you know the bitey dogs um, and if they become with a pre-existing um, health condition, then the the, impre- the premiums can be prohibitively expensive. So um, we're there to kind of, you know, make sure that these dogs who have given up their life for service um, yeah, can can have, you know, the retirement that they deserve.
0: Because I guess, you know, the police dog handler, the irony is, you know, will get a pension, but the yeah. dogs don't. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think Poland actually have just discussed uh, discussing in parliament um, some sort of um, retirement package for their service dogs. But yeah, you're right. You know, I, I I chose to be a police officer and I will get a pension at the end. These dogs didn't choose and the uh, well, horses as well, but we don't cover them at the moment. Um, but they didn't choose it and they don't get a pension and they pick up all these knocks and niggles and, you know, arthritis from the jumping and Um, You know, German shepherds are prone to hip problems and that sort of thing. And and so we, yeah, the reason we started is myself, my wife and a very good friend of mine. um, We started this charity was, you know, we could see that there were lots of dogs and lots of horses that didn't have um, a a charity to support these dogs. And you know um, how expensive an operation can be.
0: Yes, yes. Don't mention that, Dave. It's (laughs) (laughs) eye-watering. Well, it really is eye-watering. And I guess, yeah, bed spills, I think, have really soared in the last Mm. decade. I don't know what you think about that. I know it's probably all really, really worthwhile. and, And also... You know, during these times sometimes it's you know being quite hard to even get a vet appointment so to have a solid retirement fund for these dogs I think it's brilliant but what is the average age though of retirement for dogs or does it vary
1: uh when they retire I mean it depends on how fit and active the dog is Finn retired when he was eight um and that is a Roughly, that's the average age for a sort of a bitey dog, a German Shepherd, you know, sort of stroke Malinois, Dutch Herder, that sort of dog. The Spaniels and Labradors can go on a little bit longer. They tend to retire at about 10 um, because the work we ask them to do is less impactive um, than the work we ask the Shepherds to do. Um so yeah, between eight and, and, and ten. So they've got several years left, you know, Hopefully. to have the Yes, <laughs> to have a good life. Well, well Finn Finn's coming up for his twelfth birthday and obviously I hope he's been retired for nearly four years and I hope he fingers crossed he has many more many more years, yeah.
0: Oh, I'm sure he will. Well you're doing so much with Finn. I mean, he's loving his retirement, I think. What with his hydrotherapy and yeah. and he joins you on all the training yeah. sessions and I know you take him out tracking.
1: Yeah, he loves tracking. Tracking is something that we do um, uh, for customers and in private as well. Again, it's another one of those um, exercises where you're really engaging their brain and their nose. Uh, And we've had tracking customers say to us, is it natural for my dog to sleep for two days afterwards? And of course, the answer is yes, because it just kicks all their their boxes and they love it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the wonderful thing actually, you know, about the scent work, for me to see it really happening in real life with my own dog was, yes, to see how much Prue just loved it and took to it like a, you know, dug to water. But it it was hearing her 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 smelling her sniffing (laughs) because it it, you know that the whole structure of the dog's nose changes doesn't it when they know what they're looking for and and the side flaps of the nose come out and I mean Prue just turned into like a pig I mean it was like the inhaling (laughs) you could hear it it was really like she was desperately desperately focused isn't she and she has to find it but she's sniffing everything and you think my god you're going to implode
1: <laughs> well the way the dog's nose is designed it's, it's all around that i mean it was it was survival obviously before before they became domesticated and most of our dogs if you turned them out in the wild would, would live many years because they have this incredible sense of smell and their whole body is geared up to it it's the thing that's right at the front you know their nose and their olfactory system and their the the part of their brain the olfactory um, bulb is is in the right position to be most effective and it's way bigger than ours in compa- comparison to to the size of us and our brains and um, and even the slits in the side of the nose have a job so when they breathe in they breathe sort of centrally through the nostril and then when they breathe out they they breathe out through the slits at the side and what that does is it builds air pressure. I'm going to bore you now. Uh, it builds air pressure to help encourage more, um, more cu- air currents up the nose, so that it, the whole cycle just goes on. It's fascinating.
0: I love it, and and we can't compute it really can we you know as people because humans because we've only got five million scent
1: receptors and what's the figure for dogs Dave? It does depend on the breed but somewhere between 100 to 300 million scent receptors but it's not even as easy as equating it to that it's just it's the complexity of their nose as well means that yes it is you know potentially 20 30 40 50 times more than we have, but the complexity of the nose means it's way more sensitive than that. So, I mean, we live in a sighted world and they live in a, in a, in a scent world. Um, And not until you're sort of tracking through a wood at three o'clock in the morning with a police dog and you're not using a torch because you don't want the baddie to know you're coming. And the dog never lets you fall down a ravine or bump into a tree. Do you realize that they really do build up a 3D picture of the world using their nose? They're just incredible.
0: You see, that's amazing that you've done that. You know, you've trusted your life really (laughs) in Finn. And I admire that so much. It's that thing, one man and his dog. then the world is all right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm very lucky to do what I do. Not many people get to work with animals anymore. And uh, yeah, I feel hugely privileged to be able to, to spend my life and get blown away by them every day because they are awesome.
0: Yes, well, you've been very, very kind um, with Prue and given her so much support, and she's just loved it. It's been the best thing she's done in her in her short life, Dave. <laughs> the only thing she's done. <laughs> to... <laughs> no, she's she's great. But look, oh, it's so exciting! I mean, you must feel ecstatic, right, that you're now in the House of Lords.
1: Yeah, I mean. It's never a dull moment in this house. There's always something going on. We've got the charity, fingers crossed. Uh, Finn's Law Part 2 becomes, um, you know, law, we get these new sentences. Of course, we, we then have to hope that the the courts and the judges actually use these new sentencing powers. But, you know, we get sent, like you, we get sent these stories of, you know, dreadful cruelty and dreadful neglect all the time because of what we're doing. And to see these people then get... You know, nothing more than a slap on the wrist. The, the one recently, Bella, the German Shepherd, who was had a rock tied to her and thrown in a lake. You know, one owner wasn't prosecuted because he didn't plead guilty, so the RSPCA dropped it. The other owner pleaded guilty, and the courts only saw fit to give her, I think it was a fine, um, and a ban from owning dogs for three years. I mean, that's just insane.
0: Absolutely. Well, it is insane. It is insane, but it kind of raises this big perhaps dichotomy, right? So and let's assume, you know, this new animal welfare in bracket mm-hmm. sentencing bill, I feel it in my heart, this is going to become law. But then how is it going to be policed? Because this is always the kind of tricky problem. That does seem to me to be a bit of a, is it the RSPCA? Or is it the police that handles this? And segueing on as well, another question for you, Dave, at the moment as well with all this pet theft which Mm. really has now gone off the graph to use Mm. an expression so what are the police doing about pet theft and then going back to Finn's law you know how will it be policed and who's going to do what
1: okay so so I mean there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's take one, one bit at a time. The difficulty when it comes to police with dealing with pet theft, for example, is that it's treated the same as me stealing the, a plant pot off your front doorstep, which is, I hope we'll all agree, is ridiculous, because stealing a dog is vastly different uh, from me stealing your plant pot. But in the eyes of the law, it's treated differently. So when police forces as a whole and the policymakers are looking at it, there's no real incentive there's no real driver for them to to look at it differently to treat it differently so you know when when people are dishing out their jobs every day for for police officers to go uh, and, and investigate it you know if there's been 15 thefts that day and one of them is a is a dog it doesn't show up like that it's 15 thefts um and unless they're happening now, unless they're you know, taking place right now, it's not an emergency. So then it's, you, see, you can see how it's now going down the list of importance. And then eventually someone will get round to, to going and seeing the owner and finding out what um, what possible evidence um, there might be. But you know how much your dogs mean to you and how much my dogs mean to me and everybody listening to this. And that, that sounds insane because it's a loved member of the family and of course you when your plant pot gets missing you don't you don't really care what's happening to it but your dog you do and you're left with this mental torment so there needs to be something and it's got to come from parliament that it's looked at differently because only then really will the police have the impetus um, to, uh, to to look at it differently and treat it differently and hopefully push it up um, the ladder of you know of of importance. Um, yeah, what, I mean it, it, it's honest.
0: awful. Is it? It seems that the bad guys in the world are really exploiting this kind of. It's not exactly a loophole, but exploiting well,
1: the demand for dogs. Look at it. Look at this this way, Anna. So, if you I'm not saying you, but if you were a drug dealer and you you, you wanted to earn five thousand pounds a week you would have to go some and you would be in danger. And of course, if the police stopped you, the, the potential is that you could go to prison for a very long time if you're earning that sort of money. But, and the alternative is you go and steal a dog that's a, you know, a desired breed and then um, breed it in the most horrific conditions. And if you get caught for either of those things, the theft of the dog itself or, or the poor breeding of this animal, you're going to get a slap on the wrist. So what would you, what business would you go into if you were a criminal? Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, dreadful. This is totally all wrong. And it's so out of sync with what's going on. You know, we're hopefully got a law coming in that's going to ban no pet clauses. So everyone can welcome a pet into their home. Yet in in a court of law, all animals are still chattel. That's what it boils down to, isn't it? You know, they don't have emotion. They are not part of the family. They are a thing.
1: Society's changed and... And, and I think obviously the laws need to change too, because if you if we went back a hundred years and had this conversation, people would think we were mad because the dog lived in the yard and it had a role. And if it didn't have a role, we didn't have a dog. So, um, you know, but, but the parliament and, and the laws need to reflect where, where we are in society. And as we all know, especially through lockdown, you know, these animals have brought huge comfort and companionships to people who would otherwise have been lonely. And, you know, when someone faces losing that to theft, of course, it's going to be heartbreaking.
0: The thought of it is, is you know, a place you don't really want to go. It's a yeah. very negative place. But in terms of policing, when um, the sentencing bill comes in. How will that
1: work then? Yeah, good question. Um, how, will it, how, will it, how will it happen? Well, you know, we've got the RSPCA talking about um, stopping being the prosecuting body for animal welfare. So then it will have to come back to the police. I mean, the police do prosecute for animal welfare. I've prosecuted people for neglect and cruelty many times over my 18-year career. Um, it's, yeah, I, I think public pressure. Um, will will be what decides it. Um, you know, if the RSPCA do drop that and I kind of I don't agree with it, but I' just kind of see why they might consider doing that because it's a huge burden, and it's a massive uh, drain of finances and resources on them to 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 bring these prosecutions. Uh, but someone has to, otherwise these people will, will get get away with it. And if the RSPCA really are going to do that, then it's going to have to be the police. But then the police are already stretched. So, you know, we go round and round and round and round in circles until someone comes up with a solution. And I, I really don't know what that solution is at the moment.
0: Could it be taking this terrible label of chattel off animals' yeah. shoulders? Um, because once they're officially sentient beings, they're yeah. no longer a thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, mean, again, it'll be interesting to see how the pet theft reform might influence that. There's you know it's it's obviously not only is pet theft taking off, but the campaign for pet theft reform is thankfully, know really skyrocketing at the moment and we got in duncan smiths haven't we in parliament really pushing it we've got ministers talking about it and government and boris himself the other uh, the other week talking about it at a press conference so it will be interesting to see um, how that develops
0: yeah i mean it's an exciting time and and it has to be said government have been good to animals um haven't they really They have. So it's the time, I think. And I agree. I think lockdown has made everyone really realise, well, I think you you and I have known forever, <laughs> yeah. but you can't beat the love and the companionship of a dog. It's something my dad said, actually. And and cats, they also play their role. And and for some people, it's better to have a cat, isn't it, Dave?
1: You, oh, gosh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally, 100%. It, the, the evidence to show how soothing having a pet is at home Um, You know, it's there. It's there for everybody to see, which is why, as you mentioned just now, the um, tenancy uh, agreement where you can have a pet will be uh, absolutely incredible. And of course, people who move tenancy will not have to worry um, about losing their pet. Uh, which was obviously some heartbreaking decisions people um, had to make. Um, but it's, it's, it's fashionable as well at the moment, which is obviously vitally important. It's fashionable for people to get involved in, in animal welfare. You know, you and I did it. We've done it for a long time. We've done it for very good reasons. But the fact it's fashionable, the fact that celebrities are talking about it and the fact that government see that it's um, uh, it's the in thing. That's what will make things change. Because when people are not talking about it and it's not fashionable, nothing ever happens. Call me a, call me a cynic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I know, Dave, you're such a cynic. But <laughs> you see, I believe that, yeah, we've finally just realized this, perhaps yeah. through lockdown. And I, I see it that it's great that so many people are looking to the companionship of animals yeah. because. I believe animals make us better people and teach us about the simple things in life, which... Uh, you know like even just being in the moment now like chatting to you this is a a great thing which I wouldn't be doing if it wasn't for dogs and that's that's the important thing just going for a walk outside and taking in the trees and all these things that we know and just sitting by your feet or on the sofa with you watching Netflix it makes the whole experience far better
1: (laughs) it does yeah totally and I feel sorry for the people that don't have dogs in their life you know I did a post the other day after we lost Rory and when you're sat there and you're heartbroken and there's a massive sized hole in your life and in your house and you, you do question you do say why do I do this to myself why do I put myself through this pain every you know 10 12 14 years whatever it is however long they live but I couldn't imagine my life without them I'm not saying that makes the pain acceptable because it doesn't because it really does hurt but um I couldn't imagine my life without without dogs and of course more people will will come to recognize that um, because of lockdown and, uh, they, and we'll help them train their lockdown puppies as well when the, when, yes. when the time comes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's just that non-judgment, isn't it? You know, yeah. the, the one thing I'm grateful for is uh, Prudence and Mr. Binks, you know, and my cat Gremlin. They don't mind about lockdown hair. And you know what? <laughs> I'm so grateful for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, Yeah. where would your life be without without your two? It's just, yeah, they're amazing.
0: I know. So, Dave, so it's all about the Thin Blue Poor Foundation. So, I urge everyone to get on social media and please support this because, you know, service animals deserve a pension. And of course, let's write to all the bigwigs in the House of Lords, Dave, (laughs) right?
1: Absolutely. So, yes, it's Lord Randall that's pushing it through. Um, But of course, we've got the wonderful Zach goldsmith lord goldsmith who no doubt will be doing his bit behind the scenes and you know if you know of a lord it's very easy to find their details on the parliamentary website and just ping them an email tell them you've heard about the sentencing bill if you included the phrase Part 2 we'd love that and ask them to do everything they can to to ensure it's speedy passage through the lords because time is still against us
0: Right, well, everything's going to be in the show notes. Dave, let's stay in touch, and I can't wait for another truffle
1: session. I know, me neither. Let's get together soon. The weather's getting better as well, which would be lovely.
0: (laughs) And longer days, so hurrah, and um, lockdown easing, so we can do it. Let's make a date, please. Definitely, definitely. Thank you, Dave. Take care.
1: Lovely to speak to you.
0: our show mr binks what did you think yes i quite agree tougher sentencing for all animal cruelty and neglect it's a must i hope you all enjoyed it too and if you did please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts as we're on all the platforms and it really helps other dog lovers find us thank you so much to dave Bordell and of course canine finn for joining us today and all of his links are in the show notes as well as the details to write to the house of lords thanks to mike hansen and pod people productions for all the music and production as ever follow them at pod people uk for more about me i'm at annaweb dogs or visit my website annaweb.co.uk where you can book some training sessions some nutrition advice read my blogs and lots more what's that mr binks Yes, I know, we will be back in your feed next Sunday, but that's only if you subscribe now. So give it a go, it's free, and that way you'll never miss another show. Bye for
1: now.